You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. That little gem from this morning is from Aeroplane. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Well, the good news for today is that there's not a lot of news, so we don't have to worry about that nonsense. Two little quick points. The NFL did come out and say officially... Any stadium planning to have fans, there needs to be a mandatory mask policy, which was obvious depending on what exactly that means. For example, Green Bay has a mask policy with a little bit of a loophole. Are they just taking the loophole away? I don't know. Again, you can't take that away because that has to be a thing because you can't tell people they can't eat and drink and you can't eat and drink with a mask on. But whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm not diving into that. Secondly, uh, pretty big news. Antonio Brown decided to retire. Decided for the second time, I believe, that he was going to hang it up. That is until about 30 seconds later when he said he wanted to be reinstated by the NFL because he really wants to play. Probably shouldn't make fun of the guy too much because there's some pretty clear mental illness going on here. But I'm going to a little bit. Outside of that, there's uh, not a lot of news. And I think that's a good thing. Best as I can tell, they're just trying to iron out the financials which is the hard part. I'm sure there's a whole lot of nuance, but the the big thing really is there's going to be a hit financially. The question is, do we spread it out or do we take the hit in a shorter period of time? I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure why I haven't heard any proposals about somewhere in the middle, right? The, the league, the owners, they want it done this year and next year, and that's it. 2020, 2021, and then we got it all cleared up. The players want it done over 11 years. I feel like there's a couple options between 2 and 11. I wonder if that's been brought up at all. Could we do 4? Because, I mean, listen, ultimately we're talking about the owner's money. The owners are putting up money for this, and it's a matter of when are they going to get paid back. Because the default is everything gets done in 2021. All of it. Just the, the full hit, boom, done. So I believe the players have gotten a lot of the concessions that they wanted, and that's probably by design. Again, on one hand, you've got the league that is willing to, to give away anything so long as it means there's a season. The owners also are probably willing to be very generous on concessions because there's one thing they're not willing to be generous on, and that is their money, especially when we're talking about tens of millions of their dollars just hanging out there for 10, 11 years. But also, not really my problem. We've already talked about that a little bit, so we'll... Uh, cross that bridge when they ever work that out and figure out what all the implications are and whatnot when the time comes i want to say thank you very much to everybody that subscribed over on youtube it's a pretty big jump in uh in subscribers 
So thank you all very much for that. Um, I don't think I'm going to have time today or tomorrow to get anything up, but Saturday the plan is get up bright and early and get as much done as possible. Unfortunately, the first video I'm going to do is going to take a long time. That's going to be a first-round mock draft 3.0. But after that, I'm, I'm hoping to just rip through a bunch of Packers content because I want to try to get everything done on the weekend so that there's videos throughout the week. That's the goal. We'll see what happens. But if you haven't done it yet, Pack Daddy NFL is the YouTube channel. Please go over there and subscribe. Um, again, eventually, when I think there's enough people interested and I'm not going to go live and there's two people in there, um, I'm planning on doing some live stuff, some Q&A. Also going to figure out how to get my phone set up so we can do like call-ins and whatnot. I think that'd be kind of cool. But you got to be subscribed and you got to hit the little bell notification so you know when those things happen. Otherwise, I go live and you're not going to know about it. If you hit the bell notification, it'll tell you. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Mr. Luke Holm, who upped his uh, Patreon pledge, and also to Andrew Matson for jumping in on Patreon. Thank you very, very much to everybody that's in on Patreon. It's pretty staggering the amount of support I get over there, uh, especially during the off-season. It's been um, extremely helpful, so uh, it's much appreciated. Otherwise, make sure you're in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. The uh, videos also end up over there, so... If you're completely opposed to YouTube, but you still want to see the videos, that's where you can catch them out. Also, fan2fannetwork.com. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing, especially with YouTube videos and whatnot, is I have an accompanying article that goes with it. So if you'd like to see some of the stuff that I'm rambling about written out. Also, for example, the uh, the breakout player thing, I kind of changed it up a little bit. Added some players. Um, all my articles, by the way, are not under my name. They haven't actually officially added me to the site yet. Because the way that he had initially, the founder of it or whatever, set it up is that there's one representative. And so he has uh, Mr. Basara over there set up as the guy. But more than half of those articles are mine. If you click on it, you'll see the YouTube video. If it's my YouTube video, it's my article. Uh, the most recent one, by the way, if you're interested in it, I have 430 2021 NFL draft prospects that are ranked. So if you want to see my top uh, 430 big board... You can see that over at fan to fan Network. And on Twitch, if you're on there, FTFN is the uh, the channel. They haven't done anything with it yet, but that's that's kind of the big thing. It's going to be a, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how Twitch works, but that's that's where they're putting a lot of their energy. But anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll talk about some stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So something that I thought would be kind of fun, and and it it speaks only marginally to the to what could be happening next year. But I want to look at some of the 2021 free agents. Now, free agency has been kind of crazy for several years. I've been basically since I've started this podcast, things started getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And I've been commenting how it's like turning into Madden. Every free agency period, it's like a reshuffling of teams. It didn't really used to be that way. There'd be a couple, you know, maybe slightly big names, but there wasn't like superstars. Now you got superstars available. But add into that the layer of this whole coronavirus financial impact and what that might mean for teams, especially if these guys can't work out a deal. Then there's a massive financial hit, and a lot of teams are just going to have to really tighten up and I talked about how a lot of guys will probably get uh, their contracts restructured to free up a little bit of money which will also give them a little bit more in the immediate and also maybe possibly even extend their contracts but it also could just mean outright a lot more guys are going to be flooding the market now on one hand if you think about it a, a lot of people would probably think well the Packers don't have any money and then if you look at the coronavirus situation with the the cap not going up probably going down it's, it's very unlikely we end up with anybody, but the, the situation is everybody's in the same boat. And so these guys have to end up somewhere, what it, which is ultimately why I said everybody's price goes down. Everybody gets less money, right? It's, it's supply and demand. You've got a bunch of free agents. A lot of these guys don't end up getting re-signed. Guys that probably would have gotten re-signed if it was just a normal year are not re-signed. So the number of players goes up. Then you have additionally some guys getting cut that probably wouldn't have gotten cut before. And so whereas, I don't know, maybe you got two-ish really, really good wide receivers, you know, next year, what, we're going to have like five or six or seven? And then the price goes down. So in a sense, it's not impossible to think that despite the cap going down, the Packers actually have a slightly better opportunity to get some quality free agents just because of the sheer number of players that are there. Now, we got to see how they handle the cap. I've mentioned how they can actually free up money if they extend some players. You obviously can't free up money by signing free agents, but you look at guys that are free agents in 2022, you know, Devontae Adams being the biggest one. You know, assuming they sign him to a longer contract, which I don't know if they will or not, they could possibly save a decent chunk of money, but, you know. We'll see. There's probably going to be a good chunk of Packers that we're going to be losing next year just by virtue of the fact that there isn't a ton of money and there are a ton of guys looking for contract. But again, I do think they could pull in some additional people. Um, Even if we assume that they do sign David Bakhtiari, which is not a guarantee, you've got Corey Lindsley, you've got Lane Taylor, you've got Devin Funchess. Kenny Clark is obviously getting a contract. He's a number one on that list. Mercedes Lewis is out. Kevin King isn't safe. Um, Tyler Irvin, Tim Williams, Montravius is probably gone unless he has a massive year if he even makes the team this year. Uh, Chandon Sullivan is a guy that is certainly not safe. I like him. You like him and his upside and his potential, but 
Is he really going to get a contract? Jay Kumaro is probably gone if he's even on this team. Tyler Lancaster is a question. Jamal Williams probably isn't going to be around. Alan Lazard, if he continues to play well, we're probably going to have to pay him. Aaron Jones, obviously, looking for big money. Raven Green, there's a lot of people looking for money. But let's start with the most exciting uh, position, at least for us, or especially for us, because it's an exciting position in general, and it's a position of need, and that is wide receiver. Who are some of the wide receivers that could be available? And again, this is only a fraction of them, because there are other guys who just aren't going to get contracts. But starting off the list, you've got A.J. Green. Now, A.J. Green... We're looking at, I believe, at this time is going to be 33 years old. Now, that's true of a lot of these guys. They're getting older. That's why they're probably not going to get re-signed. But, look, Larry Fitzgerald's 38. He's just starting to fall off a little bit. I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be off the A.J. Green train until he just completely shows that he can't do it anymore. Um, Allen Robinson. There is a lot of talk about Allen Robinson not coming back, including from Allen Robinson. He does not sound happy to be there, which why would you be? I've talked about that also, about seemingly the, the players are not very happy to be in Chicago. Allen Robinson has kind of talked about how he doesn't feel like he's he, nobody's really talked to him about getting an extension or a contract or anything like that. I don't know how they don't bring back Allen Robinson because that offense has nothing. The only piece on that offense that's worth anything is Allen Robinson. You let him go and there's nothing left. But, I, you know, Allen Robinson would only be 28 years old. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think he's pretty well over the hill into his 30s. Larry Fitzgerald, obviously when he's done, he's leaving. He's never going anywhere else. An interesting name, and I'm shocked how young he is, I mean, relatively speaking. Keenan Allen is only going to be 29 years old next year. He's had a lot of injury issues. Probably not going to have a real big year this year, given this, well, maybe he will. We'll see how good Herbert is over there. But look, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't really think guys like Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, A.J. Green, I don't know that the Packers go out and get big money guys. They may go out and get somebody, especially if they don't re-sign Funchess or whatever, maybe to find a replacement Funchess. I know, we'd rather just draft somebody, I understand that. But again, keep in mind, Assuming the Packers have a decent year, they're going to be drafting at the back end of the draft, and offensive line, I think, is a bigger need. So at best, they get a second-round wide receiver. Just just saying. Beyond Keenan Allen, Sammy Watkins, another guy that's shockingly young. He'll be 28 years old. Never really quite lived up to his full potential, but again, we're looking for that number two option. I think Sammy Watkins could be a fantastic number two option. Uh, Marvin Jones, 31 years old. Not great, but not terrible. I think a very, very solid number two option. Again, the 31 thing makes you nervous because you don't want to have a Jimmy Graham situation where you pay him his money right as he completely falls off a cliff. Now you look at it and say, well, he's got a little bit left in him. If we can just get him to play the way he played in Detroit, it'll be fine. You slap a bunch of money at him and he just completely falls off. Uh, Kenny Stills, 20. I'm shocked. How you, I, just, I, I guess I've just heard these names forever and I feel like they're all in their 30s. Kenny Stills will be 29 years old. I'm kind of out on Muhammad Sanu. Brashad Perriman, obviously, I'm a huge fan of. Corey Davis is only 26. I've never really been completely out on Corey Davis. I think as far as, again, a number two, I mean, he's, he's a mass. He's, he's like A.J. Hawk. Nobody will ever talk positively about A.J. Hawk because of where he was drafted. Corey Davis is a terrible wide receiver given where he was drafted. If you're looking at him as, as if he was like a fourth or fifth round pick and a number two wide receiver, you'd kind of just shrug and be like, yeah, he's decent. Now, it's going to depend on how much money he wants. If he wants to get paid for the fact that he's still young and was a first-round pick and has a bunch of potential and upside or whatever, if that drives drives his cost up, then forget it. Um, not in on Willie Sneed. Not a big fan of Cordero. 
I know a lot of people probably like Cordero because he's what he's could possibly do, and you think Lafleur maybe could use that kind of skill set. I don't know if Lafleur wants him, fine. I just we've seen that so many times with guys where they have this sort of special skill set, and you talk about well if he could just get in the right situation, and there just never seems to be that right situation. I don't want to be another one of those sucker teams that believes that we can find a way where nobody else can. Although he was pretty decent in New England. Um, Amendola, 35 years old, no thanks. John Ross is going to be intriguing simply because he is ridiculously fast. He's never really been that good, but it's still going to be. It's it's one of those things where if I'm going to be a responsible analyst, the, the second portion of the fanalist label, I'm going to say this is a bad pickup. The fan part of me, that half, super jacked if we get John Ross. Because <laughs> I just, I don't know. How do you not get excited about a blazing fast guy? I can't not get excited. But I also will be disappointed. So, um, That's probably it as far as guys that I would be halfway excited about. Oh, never mind. Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> See, they got this ordered by uh, how much they're being paid, and he must still be on his rookie contract somehow. Another guy I feel like has been in the league for seven years. Apparently not. Now, it seems crazy. Why would they not pay Juju? But I, I've been hearing rumblings about that, that they're not going to bring back Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that's ridiculous, but apparently it's possible. Now, he's going to cost probably a billion dollars. And and look, he's he's fallen off a bit from where he was, but also they didn't have Big Ben last year, so we'll see if Ben comes back and plays. Juju should have a bump in production. But if he doesn't, and if his price falls a bit, and if the Packers are looking for a high price number two. I mean, I don't know how you get better than Juju at 24 years old. Uh, Tajay Sharp, actually, the guy the uh, Vikings just picked up, might not be a terrible option. We'll see how he does in Minnesota or if they decide to keep him. Cooper Cup, another guy that's buried on this list because he's on his rookie contract, obviously has had a decent amount of success. He is going to be 28 years old, so he must have been relatively old when he entered the league. But again, just looking for that number two kind of change of pace option. I think Cooper Cup could be something to look at. Chris Godwin, obviously, is not going to be available, and if he is, he's going to be way too much money. Kenny Galladay is definitely getting paid by uh, Detroit. That would be ridiculous if they didn't pay him. I think that's the end of the list. So there's there's plenty of options. Now, do I think they're going to go out and spend big money on wide receiver? I kind of don't. I think we know how they feel about spending per position, and Devontae is going to cost a billion dollars. Now, with that said, if you do extend Devontae, he's not going to cost that much in 2021 so there'll be a little bit of leeway to sign a short-term contract so that there's not a lot of overlap between big money contracts and also Devonte isn't getting younger if he gets an if he gets an extension if he gets another contract it'll probably be the last time right he'll get a contract until he's like 31 ish and i really doubt the packers are going to keep Devonte beyond that I and mean, i guess that's partly up to Devonte if he keeps playing at an elite level you can't really let go of the guy but I mean, look, the Packers have to start taking the wide receiver position seriously at some point. I know offensive line is more important, and there's other positions that are maybe more important, but we're kind of getting to a point where we went from five really good wide receivers down to one really good wide receiver down to no really good wide receivers. I'd like to have at least one number one, especially if we are going to have Jordan Love take over at some point. I don't want to put him in a terrible situation, even if we're dumbing down the play or dumbing down the, 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 the system for the quarterback a little bit so that it's an easier system to run. I still don't want to bury him on a team with no real good tight ends, a depleting offensive line, no wide receivers, and what, a bruising running back? I mean, this is this is going to be a pretty pathetic offense 
if we don't start stacking this up a little bit, free agency doesn't help that. I'm just kind of spouting off a bit. Um, on the other side, if we're looking at tackles, that obviously depends if we decide to move on from Wagner or possibly Bakhtiari. Um, the, the thing with, with Bakhtiari is the only way we do that is if we do kind of similar to what we do with Balaga, which is to say we don't want to pay David Bakhtiari, but we don't want to have a hole, so we got to find somebody that's cheap but isn't completely useless. So the guys like Trent Williams and Russell Lukong or whatever, guys that are considered really solid, like Ronnie Stanley, who I'm sure is going to get re-signed by the Baltimore Ravens, it doesn't make sense to pay them a bunch of money when we could just pay David Bakhtiari. Now, if we want to just get excited about really good things, we could say maybe we move on from Ricky Wagner and sign a really good right tackle, but I don't I don't know if we do that, especially if we're paying David Bakhtiari. Are we also going to big-time pay a right tackle? So I don't see a scenario that's really worth fleshing out, and I don't want to spend a lot of time looking at who can we bring in to replace David Bakhtiari because that's just depressing. Because again, we're only looking at guys who aren't going to cost a lot because they're not as good. And I don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> but there is another option. Let's say we keep our tackles locked in and we've got a good left guard. Maybe we try to look on from Billy Turner. You got guys like Brandon Scherf, guys like Joe Thune. Trying to find guys that would be an upgrade. It's harder than I was expecting. No, I don't know. Unless they're willing to pay big money, it might just be down to uh, Thune and, and Brandon Scherf. There might be a couple decent players buried in here, but I can't find them. And I know we, we just got some guys, but my optimism is relatively low on that. Um, again, do I think they're going to go out and get a high-priced guard? Probably not. I mean, the other good thing is high-priced guard is sort of an oxymoron. I mean, even the best of the best, I mean, it's they're, they're expensive. Ugh. Yeah, see, that's still too much. I mean, a high-priced guard is pretty low price, but we're still talking like $13 million. I don't think they can pay $13 million. So I don't think we're getting a guard. And I don't know if the Packers would do that anyways, go out and pay for a guard. I just, you know, as much as LaFleur wants a really good offensive line, and I know they got Billy Turner, and $7 million is a decent amount. It's entirely too much. I don't know why they did that. It's not $13 million. That's what I mean. I'm, I don't think they're never going to go out and get guards, but are they going to go top of the market for a guard? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Kind of a similar situation with center. Um, it doesn't make sense to say that we're going to go out and get a center when we have Corey Lindsley. If we're willing to pay a lot of money for a good center, we're just going to pay Corey Lindsley. More than likely, we're going to let Corey Lindsley walk and not pay for a big price center. Maybe we'll get somebody who's less good. Otherwise, we're just going to let somebody that we already have slide into that spot, which is probably what's going to happen, unless we re-sign him. But again, it's not really worth exploring free agency all that much. If we switch over to defensive tackle, another position that I think could be relatively high on the list of needs and wants, especially if we look at Mike Patton. We know he likes to stack that defensive line. It was his first order of business when he got in here, and now we're kind of back to just Kenny Clark. One of the guys that I loved coming out of college that I've always really liked, that I would st still really like, despite not really reaching that full potential. In fact, he's been kind of going backwards since he, you know, whatever. But 26-year-old, I'm assuming he'd be 27 next year, Leonard Williams. Guy was an early first-round pick, sixth overall selection. There's been a lot of talk for a while now that the Jets are not going to bring him back. He is a good football player. He's not a number six overall good football player, but he is a very good interior defensive lineman. He's a he's one of those guys, too, that's very flexible. If you wanted to put him outside of Zadarius, who slides inside, you could do that. You can put him anywhere along the defensive line. He even played a handful of snaps at outside linebacker. Not many, but if you felt so inclined to have him stand up, you could do that. 
And so I just think he would be a fantastic fit. And according to Spot Track, we're looking at only eight million bucks for Leonard Williams. Twenty-six year old Leonard Williams, who is a good football player, better than anybody we have along the defensive line. That man, that goes right to the top of the list for me. I would love that. Again, he's not he's not number six overall good. Actually, what am I talking about? He didn't even finish with the Giants. He's over with the Jets now. Completely forgot about that. But anyways, he uh, the, the the interesting thing is he played pretty terrible for the Jets. Went over to the Giants and played pretty decently for the Giants. In fact, one of his better games was uh, against the Packers. He had five pressures in that game. But, um, yeah, only one sack on the season, which was a really low thing for him. He's not a big sack guy, but he's a pretty quality run defender, which is, I think, what he was coming out of college anyways. I remember watching him, and he just blew me away with his ability to just lock up with an offensive lineman. He... he if you ever watched any of my videos about uh, Raquan Davis, a guy that I really, really like coming out of college, that's that he reminds me a lot of Leonard Williams. So apparently that there's a type of defensive lineman that I really like, which is why to this day I still really like Leonard Williams, and I'm also obsessed with Raquan Davis. Because when he lines up, he's just the bigger, stronger guy along that offensive line. He's going to grab you by your shirt, and when I see where the running back's going, I'm going to take you and throw you on your face to get you out of my way and then I'm going to go get him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Leonard Williams, but I'm a little biased. I've, I've always been a big fan of his. Um, somebody we probably cannot afford. I'm shocked to see how expensive they're saying he's going to be, but that's Cameron Hayward. Granted, Cam Hayward is one of the better defensive tackles in football, but he's also going to be 32 years old. So we'll have to see kind of how this all plays out. I think there's a good possibility that the Pittsburgh Steelers can't afford him and maybe have to let him walk because that defense is just stacked. I don't know how many people they have. I could look it up, but I'm running short on time. How many people they have coming up on contracts. But Track's looking at about $16.7 million. If that's the case, there's no way. But if that if that ends up being entirely too high and he ends up looking for less money, Cam Hayward is an elite football player. Um, I mean, that, that would be an all-in move by the Packers. Again, where's the money coming from? I don't know, man. we got to see how this all lays out financially. If it does get spread out over time, there's not going to be as negative of an impact on the salary cap. Then we then it just comes down to what are the Packers going to do with their current free agents and their current contract? Are they going to be letting people go? Are they going to be extending people? Are they going to be restructuring people? Are they going to be resigning people? We could talk about what their cap is today, but that has nothing to do with what their cap is going to be during free agency. It might be a mess. It might be terrible. There might be a ton of money. So I don't know. This is just an opening conversation to the free agency uh, people. Um, and Dominican Sue, no thank you. Um, somebody that's maybe a little bit more realistic. Um, a guy that I think fits the Mike Pettin mold to a... Well, I shouldn't say to a... He's, I thought he was bigger than that. I mean, as, as far as taller. 6'2", 280. So it's still kind of that taller, leaner type of interior guy that you can also put on the outside. Early first round pick, so there's a ton of potential. And the biggest benefit, which is probably a negative, is that he's been terrible. <laughs> And so he's going to be relatively cheap. And that is a man by the name of Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas is currently 24 years old via his PFF grades, 54, 62, 54, which is to say bad, barely average, and bad have been his three years. He's never graded out well in any category except in 2019 in coverage on his six coverage snaps. He has a grand total of seven sacks over three years. 73 pressures on 1,049 attempts, which pretty relatively easy math. Puts him at, what, 7% right around, which means he's terrible, terrible as a pass rusher. 
And if he can't make it work in San Francisco, what says he can do it in Green Bay? But, again, he fits the mold. He's one of those flashy prospects. And according to Track, he's going to command about $5.5 million, which is ridiculously cheap. I just, I'm worried the Packers aren't going to be able to say no to that if it becomes available. Um, we'll do one more. I think this is kind of an intriguing option. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris, Chicago Bear. I, I, I would say there's a good chance he doesn't get re-signed for several reasons. Number one, his play hasn't been necessarily elite, and they've got a bunch of players already. Also, if this thing completely falls apart, they may be looking to just blow this thing up. But Roy Robertson Harris was an undrafted free agent. He's been relatively decent. Now, he's, he's just kind of a rotational guy, meaning he's going to be cheaper. He's not like going to come in as the number two automatically. He's just going to be a guy that you bring in occasionally. But he's six foot seven, 294. He's built kind of like Dean Lowry again. That's sort of a Mike Pettin kind of guy. And he's produced 12 sacks in three years. But you figure he's only playing about half the normal amount of snaps. So, I mean, imagine a rotational guy, a guy like... Uh, I don't even know who it would be anymore. I guess Kingsley Kiki, but he doesn't play hardly at all. But a guy like that getting four sacks, you wouldn't be upset about that. So real low-priced option and a guy that I think could actually be somewhat productive. Also better against the run than he is as a pass rusher, so that's probably more important. I don't know. If they let him go, I could see that as being an option for the Packers. And only 28 years old next year, so got that working to his advantage as well. Final position I want to look at is the one that I really wish they would spend a lot of money on. Just just fix the problem, man. And that's inside linebacker. We'll see what happens in the draft, but even so, I just I don't trust any drafted linebackers. I mean, we got to see what happens with the guys we have. It's possible Kirksey has a great year. It's possible Kamal Martin is a good linebacker. I would say that's very unlikely, but it's possible. But assuming that doesn't happen, I really would be happy... If we did nothing else in free agency as far as like doing big things other than get a linebacker. Um, a few options, Dante Hightower, longtime New England Patriot. Um, he's not what he was. It may be just a bad decision. He's had three years of kind of questionable play. But again, instant upgrade. Not a long, long-term solution, but it's just a, it's an actual player that can come in and fill the spot and play decent. Um, Avery Williamson, linebacker for the New York Jets. He actually had a good fourth year with Tennessee. The Jets took a flyer on him because he had his kind of breakout year. He had a great year in 2018 with the Jets, didn't play at all in 2019. His run defense grades since 2014 have been 68, 71, 79, 90.4, and 82.8. Dominant, great tackler, great run defender. He can't cover. He's not going to go after the quarterback, but a guy that is probably going to be relatively cheap, depending on if he plays this year and how well he plays, but a guy that could be a cheap option, somewhat of a young option, that's just really good against the run. Uh, Denzel Perriman, he's not good, but I would be excited because I was a big fan of him coming out of college because he's just mean. He's just mean and he's just violent. I don't want him, but I, I kind of do just because it'd be cool to have him. Um, Todd Davis, 28 years old. Denver Bronco playing under Vic Fangio. Again, another option that's just... He's just okay. If you can't tell, I'm, I'm panicked about this. I don't think we're going to have okay play from our linebackers. Okay to good, I would be fine with. I'm not looking for an elite linebacker necessarily. I'm not going to be mad if you get one. Wouldn't be mad if you drafted one. I'm just worried about what the ceiling is for a team that has no ability to stop the run. When your linebacker doesn't know what he's doing and he's consistently getting sealed off and there's just lanes everywhere. And I mean, there, there's a bunch of different options and ways you can go. Raquan McMillan, 
extremely young, high upside guy that really hasn't found his stride in Miami yet. If he hits the market, obviously, that's the caveat for all these guys. I'm not saying they're guaranteed. Nobody's guaranteed to be hitting the market. Uh, Reggie Raglan is actually a couple different Detroit linebackers, like Jared Davis. I didn't feel like mentioning Jared Davis because of how bad he is. But Reggie Raglan is another second-round linebacker. And, and if, if you need an example of why you don't necessarily want to draft linebackers early, the Detroit Lions have taken Reggie Raglan in the second round. Well, he was a second-round linebacker. He's not very good. They took Jelani Tavai in the second round. He's not very good. They took Jared Davis, um, actually in the first round at pick 21. He's one of the worst linebackers in football. So they've got a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a second-round pick at linebacker, and they don't have any good linebackers. Just because you take them early doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good. But anyways, again, just kind of a cursory look at a lot of the guys that are out there, and there's going to be even more guys that just are not going to be getting paid. They're going to get cut because they're salary cap casualties. And that might drive down some of the contracts of guys like, uh, you know, Bethuni or whatever. Instead of getting 13, maybe they're getting, I don't know, 11-ish, maybe 10-ish. I don't know if it'll be that hard of a hit. Probably not a great year to be a free agent. I've said this before, but I, I think the best course, if you're looking for a contract and your team doesn't want to re-sign you, take a one-year deal. If, if the best you can get, if you're worth $13 million and the best you can get is 10 take a one-year $10 million deal. Hope the money situation is fixed by next year. Keep yourself healthy and get your, you know, three, four-year, $13, $14 million a year contract. By the way, I should also add, I think cornerback is maybe an option. But again, it's another one of those situations where if we need corners, it's probably because we're not willing to pay for the guys we have. And I'm looking kind of squarely at Kevin King. There's a good chance that we're not willing to pay him what he wants, given what he's able to do on the football field, which could create a void, especially if Josh Jackson doesn't step up. I mean, it's going to be Jair and nobody. Um, I guess we can look at it real quick. Uh, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman. DJ Hayden, Josh Norman, oh my goodness, Jalen Ramsey, Jason McCourty, Brian Poole, Mackenzie Alexander, Pierre Desir. Some of these aren't very good, but I'm just listing them. Um, skip, skip, skip. Bashad Breeland, a lot of people love him. Could bring him back. I'm not on board with that, but a lot of people like that. Ronald Darby, Gary and Conley. Jonathan Joseph is 37 years old. Quentin Dunbar, probably not the best option. Uh, Sidney Jones with Philadelphia. We'll see if they decide to play him or let him go. Another one of those guys that never met that potential. So lots of options at corner. Lots and lots and lots of them. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that because i got to get going. But again, I just wanted to kind of take a first look and just a quick brush over of some of the guys that are out there, especially given the fact that we still have a bunch of needs. Unfortunately, we don't. We have way too many questions to go too far in depth. Again, we don't know who's still going to be on the team, who's getting contracts, who's not, what the salary cap for the league is going to be, for the team is going to be. Uh, which of these guys are going to be re-signed, which additional guys could be possibly let go. There's a billion questions, but I thought it would be good to at least take a first glance, especially now that we're concerned about a lot of guys being let go. And I am concerned about that. I, I think with the salary cap being problematic, not just because of the uh, financial situation for the league, but also the financial situation for the Packers. Lots of guys looking for contracts and whatnot. So rather than panic, let's uh, let's get excited about some new opportunities. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. The uh, rookies report today, which doesn't really mean much. They're going to show up, get tested, go back to their rooms. But football has officially started for the Packers today. Players are arriving. Get fired up. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.